Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. We're coming to you through the leader in responsible paranormal and alternative science programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, XZBN.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the spirit world of animals. My son has an Alaskan Malmute who visits me in spirit, though he's very much incarnate. He has shared with me his and my son's location upon numerous occasions, and when I asked my son to verify, it's been amazingly accurate. Animals are underestimated and misunderstood. Like humans, when in physical form, animals have chakras and auric fields through which they interconnect and prism light into our world. We think we're so much more intelligent than animals, that we are the only ones who communicate when in fact, we use language because we've lost our intuitive interconnectivity. Animals are in a constant contact across time and space as they're tuned into the energy that connects all things. They move into and out of spirit with much more ease than humans. While few humans have mastered remote viewing and mental telepathy, animals use both to fly in flocks and hunt in packs. Through their chakras, each species anchors a particular bandwidth of frequency or light onto the planet. This frequency carries a code of information. All shamanic societies derive meaning and guidance from the sighting of animals in physical form as well as those in dreams. Why have we lost touch with the animal kingdom and each other? What can we learn from our animal relations? Are they trying to communicate with us? What do they have to say? With us this hour to help answer some of these questions is Don Brunk, an animal communicator, author, and dream enthusiast. Her books include Animal Voices, The Key to Spirit Animals, 
and dreaming with polar bears. She's also de- designed a tarot deck called the Animal Wisdom Tarot. Don, thanks so much for joining us on the Science of Magic. Hi, Gwilda. Thanks for having me. So how's it going up there in the great white north of Alaska? Uh, it's good. We're moving into spring, so we have lots of light, or we're getting more light. So it's it's a fun time. Spring is always a really just up in energy kind of coming time for Alaskans, and that's what we're going through right now. So you're an animal communicator. Can you tell us what that exactly means? Sure. Well, I think of myself basically as a translator. So uh, what I'm doing is when I work with people um, and their animals, I kind of serve as just um, a translator. (laughs) I tune into the energy, the thoughts, the feelings, the consciousness of an animal, and then I take that and translate it into human words for the human to better understand his or her animal. And um, what I found which, what's interesting, and I loved your intro, by the way, about how, how all animals are, you know, have a specific frequency and they bring this gift to the planet. And I think each individual animal does that as well. So one thing I found is that um, when I work with humans and animals um, on an animal, uh, you know, communication call, is the, the human starts to, to remember, starts to tune into like, oh, yeah. This isn't that strange of a thing. We do know when our animals are hungry and thirsty and things like that, but we also know other things. And like you were talking about your your son's Malamute, you know, I think we actually are way more aware um, of things that of of connections that we have with animals than we think we are. And it's just our <laughs> consciousness that kind of you know boxes it out a little bit. But as soon as we kind of open up, um, we begin to recall that. We begin to tune into that again. Well, I've always said my cat and I communicate quite clearly. When he does something I don't like, I squirt him with a water bottle. And when I do something he doesn't like, he pees on my bed. But there's got to be a better way, right? <laughs> so um, the animal communication that you do, you do professionally, I take it. Yes, I do. I do sessions mainly by Skype or by phone, sometimes in person. I, do, I live in Alaska, so, you know, there's not a lot of people here that uh, uh, that I work with. I work more with people all over the U.S. and, and in Europe sometimes. And, um, yeah, so it's just a, you know, thanks to technology, it's yeah, just it's wonderful. A... We're, we're going to have to take a break and pick yeah, up I'm on sorry. the other side. That's okay. <laughs> Don and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Mnemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is animal communicator Don Brunk. Her website, animalvoices.net. Don, we were talking about animal communication, and you, you say you do it long distance. How does that work if you're not in the presence of the animal? What's, what's the mechanics there? Well, the mechanics are basically telepathy, which means feelings at a distance. So when you're doing that, you don't necessarily have to be in the same space um, physically with an animal. I am in the same space energetically. So it's kind of tuning into that frequency of that animal. Um, the specific mechanics are, I'm, I tend to be a little bit of a visual person, so I like photos. So when I set up a session, um, the individual will send me photos, several photos of their animal. And I'll use that just as a kind of a little touchstone to tune in. And um, what I like to do is basically tell the person, don't give me a lot of information. And I will just tune into that animal and, and, um, and then give to them at the beginning of the session what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, what kind of personality this is so that we're sure we're all on the same page. And then from there, what I really like to do is engage the person, um, as I was saying before the break, you know, to kind of help them tap into that connection so that we can all kind of be on the same, almost like a three-way call, and we can all kind of tune into each other, and that help and helps them, you know, kind of recall those skills that we all have um, and to be able to do it in the future with, with their animal, you know. I mean, I, I guess basically what I think of my job is is, like I said, a translator, but also helping the person to, to, to kind of do this themselves so that they don't need to call me anymore. You know? Got it. Got <laughs> it. Was wonderful. <laughs> if we could all do this. Huh? We can, we, and we believe can. it or not, huh? Yeah. yeah you know, are, are some breeds of animal or some species more uh, in alignment with humans, easier to understand. You know, I told the story about the Malmute, and mm-hmm. he'll he'll <laughs> he's so close to the wolf, you know, because they're Alaskan Malmutes. They come from the the Malmute tribe that used them as babysitters, but they were bred from Alaskan wolves. Mm-hmm. And and the, you know, so they still have that pack mentality that they're really more tribe oriented. And mm-hmm. I'll I'll ha- I'll dream of him, and he'll be showing me in the dream a fishing spot or, or a place on the mm-hmm. on the river, and that's exactly where he and my son are at the time. What's the mechanics there, and are different ones closer to it than others? 
Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I'm going to start in the more general to answer it first, which is I think each species, um, you know, kind of has their own orientation and their own way of doing things and their own interaction with humans. So um, probably the easiest animals to communicate with are the ones that live with us every day, dogs and cats and, you know, guinea pigs and horses to some extent. And, and again, it depends, depends on the individual species as well as the individual personality of each animal. But in general, the ones that are kind of used to our time clocks and used to our way of doing things, I think there's a little bit more um, ease in, in translation there. Um, I also live with two snakes, for example, and the communication with snakes, it's a very different uh, vibration or different frequency, let's call it, than communicating with a dog or a cat. And so it's just, um, well, it's a totally different paradigm, you know, so you're part of the, what the work involves is seeing from a different perspective um, and kind of entering that world and then and then translating into that. And, you know, this is its own entity as well. I mean, in terms of shamanic work, this is something people can do is kind of to tune in with uh, different animal species and learn to see the world from that perspective. And that can be incredibly um, rewarding and and really offer a lot of um, insight onto how we see the world. You know, we tend to, humans tend to think the way we see the world is the way the world is. And hello, welcome to the planet. That's not exactly it. <laughs> do, do you think that animals are trying to get something in specific across to us right now? I think animals in general have been trying to get something across to us, um, you know, for quite a while. And it's in my mind, I would just sum it up as, you know, wake, wake up a little bit. Hello, wake up. Um, there is this interconnection between all beings, um, humans, as well as animals, as well as the earth itself, uh, mountains, clouds, lakes, water, you know, and I think, I think some people are opening to that and we're deepening in that. Um, and I think that's the overall agenda many animals have for humans or would like to see happen. Um, and I, and, yeah, go ahead. Do you think that specific animals come and choose to be with specific people as their familiars or their pets at any given time? I think sometimes that is true. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, boy, I haven't done a study of it, but in my case, I would say, yes, it's kind of a matchup between what uh, an individual needs and what an animal or an animal species needs. Um, and that was very true in my book, uh, Dreaming with Polar Bears. I I had no, you know, uh, I love polar bears, but I had no kind of uh, desire in my mind to go out and seek polar bears and learn from them. And yet that's what happened through a series of dreams and a series of um, deeper connections. And that finally was brought up to my consciousness. And I got to see that, yeah, that was a match. And it was something the polar bears wanted of me. And it was something really that they uh, gave to me. So it was a it was a really beautiful reciprocity. And I think the mm. best relationships are like that there. It's a it's a give and a take, huh? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, um, we'll, I, later in, in the discussion, I really want to get deeper into animals and dreams because that's a whole nother topic that's very mm -hmm. exciting. Um, so how did you discover you could communicate with animals? Well, it, <laughs> I really thought it was something other people did. And this happened about 20 years ago. I was the editor of a health and wellness magazine. And one of the articles that came in was about a woman who communicated with animals. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? And it was something I pursued. I just and she told me, oh, other people do this. And I thought, no, not really. But I ended up talking with a lot of other people who did this for a profession. And um, I was really curious, how does it work? It was sort of like what you were asking me before. What are the mechanics? How does it work? How do you translate? You know, and um, it just happened to me, I think, over a period of a year, very spontaneously from talking to all these people. I think I got kind of the paradigm of the format of how it happened. And then when it actually happened, it came just very suddenly. There were some birds outside the bush of uh, on a bush on a tree outside of my office. And I was in a very meditative state, um, not even trying to do this, but I, I heard them inside my head. And it was an amazing paradigm shift for me because I suddenly understood what all these people were talking about and really how it worked. And I think it works a little differently for everybody. But for me, that was uh, that was my beginning. 
and then yep. and then it became a study for me. Yeah, we're all we're all wired a little differently. You know, some are more kinesthetic, yeah. some are more visual, some are more audio. So we have okay. to learn to translate according to that. But <clears throat> you said something that perked my attention. I think the key is a meditative state, isn't it? I, I think it helps. <laughs> I think once we get out of our own way, which is often our thoughts, our judge, our self judgments, you know, things like that, and we just kind of calm down and tune in. Um, yeah, I think that is the key. Um, and what, something I always tell the students when I do animal communication workshops is, you know, you really can't do this without connecting to your deeper self, because the t- the two are related. You know, if you want to talk to animals. You're going to have to get to that point where you talk with your inner self as well. And that's a beautiful process as well. You know, again, it's that give and take. And you you learn to deepen yourself. You learn to deepen your communication with animals. And as a result, you learn to deepen your communication with humans. It's it's a process, though, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of stuff standing between us and our inner selves. It is a process, yeah. I think some more than others. But, yeah, I mean, we live in crazy times right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, it requires a little bit of discipline to quiet, um, you know, turn off the tweets and Twitters and um, get down into your center and start to listen. At the same time, I want to say it's also incredibly easy. You know what I mean? It's both difficult and easy. And once you get to that place where you accept that it can be very simple, um, it's just about listening and communing. Um, Then I think a lot of that superficial stuff drops away. But initially, for some people, it is difficult, yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a time where you're straddling a world. Am I making this up? Because it comes in through the imagination channels, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, I would say so. I would say it comes in imagination in the sense of um, it's a nation of images, huh? Imagination. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it comes in in this way where you are straddling two worlds and you are kind of, I mean, that's what translation is. So you have a foot in or a paw in two worlds, and you're kind of bringing those together. You're building a bridge. You're making a pathway. Um, so yes, I I do think that's that's involved. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned earlier shamanism. Are you shamanically trained? I'm not shamanically trained. I'm not actually an animal communicator trained. I mean, I guess I'm self-taught. I've always been interested in self-study and and um, and that kind of thing. So um, I. I'm familiar with a lot of shamanism. I've read a lot about it, um, uh, but I don't. I don't follow a specific tradition other than drawing elements that you know fit with with what I do. Yeah. Have you uh, run across anyone in your workshops that cannot learn to do animal communication? I would say no. I would say everybody leaves, and I often I, basically to what I do is always a two day workshop because I really want to ground that information and I want to make sure people. Um, uh, have a, a sense of, of, of it. And I think everybody does live with a sense. I mean, some more than others, some are naturals and it comes very easy. Some it's difficult, but at the end of the two days, they always have a sense of, okay, okay. I do, I do have a, you know, a deeper sense and appreciation here of how, how I can open up. So, um, yeah. And like you said before, you know, people, everybody's wired differently. So what I like to do is kind of present a buffet of information here, different things for different modes, Choose what works for you. You know, I'm a, I'm a real proponent of um, uh, find what works for you. I'm not a believer in one size fits all. I think <laughs> we all are individuals and we need to celebrate that and, um, you know, find what works for us. You know, um, when I discovered I could do animal communication, I've been doing it for years and not recognizing what it was. I used to entertain my family by speaking for my pets. <laughs> so a situation would come up and I say, well, he says this or he says that or she said, and we'd all laugh, you know, but all of a sudden I realized, oh no, that's absolutely accurate. So, yeah. so yeah. it was kind of a sensing of what's going on in the environment, what's going on with the animal, what they're thinking about it, you know, right. um, that, that came to me. So it was a lot of senses that came in on what are, can you give some examples of how people might be communicating with animals and not yet recognizing it? Yeah, and I think actually that's a great question and a great little example you gave because I think that does happen with a lot of people. They realize suddenly, oh, I have been communicating um, with 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 animals. I have a sense, you know. Some people think, oh, because I do it verbally, that that's the way that you do it. Like I hear this, you know, uh, voice from the animal, and I'm speaking it. And sometimes I do, but it's also sensing. It's also. I met one lady who she got it by bits of song. She would, <laughs> she would hear songs. 
song, like little snippets from well-known songs or things like that. And that's how she got in her information. Other people are very good in terms of uh, feeling, sensing in terms of their body. So uh, vet techs, for some reason, when they're in my class, they're usually really good at that of um, knowing where a symptom is or where an ache is. They're able to kind of tune into the animal on that physical level. Others tune in emotionally. They know an animal's feeling sad or feeling excited or anxious, whatever it is. Um, some people do, and I often do get this, a little kind of conversation in my ear. And it's interesting, you know, when you, when you tell that to people, they're like, you're hearing voices. And it is like hearing voices, but or it's like hearing your own thoughts, but you know that they're not your thoughts. You know, there's a qualitative difference kind of. Um, when you hear an animal's thoughts or a, a communication from an animal than from yours. Um, right. I don't it's kind of like, kind yeah, of like that. that. It's kind of like that. I call it my mind's ear. It comes through my mind's ear. That's <laughs> a really good way of saying it. It's yeah. my mind's ear. Yeah, exactly. We're going so, to have to take another yeah. break here. Don and I will return to our discussion <laughs> on the sure. other side of this break, so don't go away. Sure. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today 
www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is author of Dreaming with Polar Bears, Don Brunk. Her website, animalvoices.net. Don, one thing that I found, um, and I'd like you to speak to if you wouldn't mind, is maybe the you know different animals come in on different channels for me. Um, like the the snake, I had Python, and when he get when he get cold, he'd want to be around my neck, and I'd get a mental image of him snuggling around my neck, and I'd wearing him like a necklace. I'd literally get a picture of what he wanted, and yet other times a, a cat has has said things to me like I don't trust myself, and I hear it in my mind's ear. Can we refine where we're listening, like the vet tech being able to empath what's going on in the animal's body versus hearing the words? How can we refine that so we're more accurate? Oh, yeah, great question. So I think it's, um, well, I think it goes back to that idea of the buffet. You know, I like to initially offer people a lot of different ways how to tune in. And then if they come back to second class and they're kind of at that intermediate level, I said, okay, let's tune into the, the, the areas that you're not as comfortable with. So if you're somebody who, who feels physically, um, let's tune into sensing emotionally or let's, sense, you know, let's tune into hearing with the, the mind's ear. Is it, what was it? The mind's ear? Yep. That was it. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> you're welcome to it. Mind's ear. So <clears throat> it's, in other words, I think we have all of these um, – uh, modalities available to us. I think it's just like in waking life. You know, some people are more kinesthetic, some people are more visual. If you want to increase and expand your worldview, you just simply focus on what you're not as comfortable with. So it's simply kind of, you know, um, embracing that as, okay, I'm going to try this on. I'm going to learn from this for a while. And I think, um, you know, for me, animal communication really comes in a lot of different modes. Um, the other aspect to that is that some animals have a preference for modes, you know, like if you tune into birds, uh, especially like, let's say birds of prey, they're very visual, you know, they see the world in terms of movement and in terms of specific uh, ways of seeing things from up above. Um, and so they might not be as um, well versed in, you know, if I, if I express something in terms of um, intellect or so in other words, what I'm saying is I try to match what the animal does. And um, there again, fluidity and openness to a lot of different modes helps the communicator because you can match what works best for the animal and what works best for the human. So does that make sense? Thing- yeah, as, a, as yeah. in all things, you're looking at mastery. We're just mastering where we focus our intuition. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's so, the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a lot of animals becoming extinct right now, and yet we're all still connected because whether you're in spirit or, or in the body, we're still present. Right. Have you? Is there a way to communicate with the the animals that are becoming extinct, or even with dinosaurs? Uh, I think so. Yeah. How open is your imagination? If your imagination is very open, then you can find that resonance for dinosaurs um, and tune into that. And, um, you know, get again, immerse yourself in that worldview and learn things. 
um, in terms of animals that are going extinct as species, you know, you'll probably, we should actually talk about this too, is that, you know, there is the specific personal voice of an individual animal. And then there's kind of their species voice, which is a yes. larger, more general thing. And then, you know, and, and, and so on. So you have different levels of communication. Um, so when you speak about the dinosaurs, we're kind of like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different species of dinosaurs. So we're talking dinosaurs just kind of as a general thing. And then if you wanted to, you could focus in on Triceratops and you would, you know, get that individual journey. Um, but yeah, my answer is yes. I think you can tune into um, really whatever you want, whatever you can think of. I'm glad you brought up the different um, divinations. In other words, if I'm sitting here and I'm talking to um, uh, my red tail hawk, say, for instance, mm-hmm. I'm talking to her directly. But if I tune into the species of red tail or if I see a red tail fly over that I don't know personally, but they, because of their frequency, because of the synchronicity and because of the omenology, there's a message there. Right, right, can, right. Can you speak to that, how the different divinations of communication with animals can also bring more esoteric messages for our lives? <clears throat> yeah, that's a multi-layered question. Wow. Um, so uh, let me just speak generally to that for one thing is, like I said before, there's a species voice. So there's kind of a species medicine of, let's say, hawk. And then you go into the, and it might, and it might be general, you know, whatever, whatever that is. And then you go into the, the specific red-tailed hawk. So you're looking at something more detailed, as, as you would with the personal. That's even more specific. Um I think each, uh, it's sort of like what you said in the beginning, each species brings a certain teaching, or we might call it medicine, um, a, a, a resonance to the planet. And so, um, again, this is sort of multi-layered. Um, so when you're working with animal guides, let's call them, or animal teachers, you might tune into this the species answer and the species, you know, let's say... Uh, uh, a turtle keeps coming to you, keep seeing turtles everywhere. Okay, so you kind of get a sense of what the turtle medicine is. What's turtle trying to tell you? Is it telling you to slow down? Is it telling you to go into your shell? Is it, you know, what's it expressing? And then you might look at what specific turtle that is. Um, and, and then you would you would kind of refine it ever, ever more. Um, <clears throat> and you would look at the part of yourself that speaks to turtle, where it's, what's the inner turtle telling you, huh? So again, it's it's just this kind of multi-layered playing with um, symbols and teachings, and um, to me, it's a little bit like connect the dots. You know, I'm looking for the the teaching that resonates with me. And every animal has multiple teachings. So you know, when we when we go to a dictionary, and I've written animal dictionaries, you know, they're they're but they're they're by their nature limited because they're just going to tell you kind of the general. Um, idea and get you started as to what this medicine is and how it speaks to you on a personal level. I'm glad you brought up that limited because, you know, they're a wonderful place to start dictionaries of meanings of animals. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the best ones are written around what's the behavior of the animal? What's Mm -hmm. their nature? Because then that you can, and then helping you relate back. But ultimately nobody's going to know what message is there for you except for you. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. And I mean, that's one thing we always do something with animal spirits or animal, uh, animal teachers in, in a workshop. And my advice is always, you know, for the first couple of days that you get your animal teacher or your animal guide that you think is prevalent right now is important to you. Don't look at a dictionary. Ask yourself, what are my memories of this animal? Where does this animal live? What does it do? What are its strengths? What are its weaknesses? And begin to play with that and really, um, you know, and that helps kind of bring up our own personal power and our own our own intuitive knowledge that we have that we kind of suppress at times in deference to other authority figures. After a couple of days, then go to a dictionary because maybe the dictionary has some, you know, lines of thought that you haven't thought of. And it, it, it adds to your kind of your your view of what you're working with. But, yes, I think it's very much a, a process of asking yourself, how does so this how, resonate me? What does it speak to in me? You know, and what can I learn here? Hmm? How can we find out who our totem animals are? Well, there's different ways. Um, I'm I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big follower of just being aware you know, um, who's showing up in my life. Um, sometimes it's uh, animals that are here, raven. Some, a lot of times I'm, when I'm driving, I will see ravens and ravens will, will fly with me, like right ahead of me, you know, and yeah, I know it's yeah. teaching me something. Other times we see animals in our dreams. 
Um, we may see animals, we may see like a repetition of animal signs or images um, that in real life, like you go to a restaurant and you see a picture of a bear. And then later on, you, your friend, you notice she's wearing a, a bear necklace. And you, you just kind of keep remarking on bear. And you're thinking, oh, maybe bear has something to teach me here. So I think it's paying attention to what comes to you in daily life is really the best way to do it. There's other ways to do it. You could do, you know, kind of a little uh, a journeying and go inside and, and ask your um, your animal totem or teacher of the, of the moment to, to kind of present itself and, you know, begin to relate on the inner levels that way. So there's really a lot of different ways is my answer. It sounds like it's putting together synchronicity and omenology. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, so you were talking, you know, as you're talking, I think, boy, this is multi multidimensional, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about synchronicity, seeing a carving, seeing a picture, mm -hmm. having one walk up to you, having one appear in a dream, uh, having one come to mind. There's a lot of different layers there. Yeah. How, yeah. It, is this a frequency thing that doesn't matter how they come, they're still bringing the same frequency? Ooh. That's a great question. Well, I think, um, again, I think, I think the answer is going to be appropriate for where you are. So if you're a beginner, it might just be, okay, bear showing up. What, what do I need to know about this? If you've been working with this a while and you really like to connect the dots and play with the symbology, you might be looking at, mm, okay, well, that, that bear bracelet is on that arm. Is it something about how I'm bearing myself? Is it about, you know, um, how I'm arming myself? Um, you know, you, so you might start playing about uh, almost in a dreamlike way of what is that symbol speaking to and what does that bear energy bring to me? And here's another thing you could do is once you have those things, a couple, let's say bear comes to you in a couple different ways is use that and go in, do an inner journey and ask Bear, what's going on? What do I need to see? You know, what do you want from me? What can I give you? Um, again, I always think that give and take thing is very important because I think animals are engaging us not only to be our teachers, but sometimes for us to help them and teach them um, or offer them something. So reciprocity, yeah. again, very important, I think. Yeah, that give and take is huge, and it's something that yeah. we've lost contact with. Yeah. We're all out, you know, narcissistic, get, 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 you know. Well, but, and that's if the you can't thing is, if you I can't think return. a lot of people, you know, they're like, yeah, what, what's my animal, you know, what's my animal teacher? Okay, check it off, and we're done. Yeah, um, you know, you miss so much when you do that. You miss yeah. so like the yeah. like, like the teaching, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the relationship. I mean, to me, relationship is key. It really is. Um, how we relate to that animal and how that animal relates to us. And it brings a gift, you know, the longer you stay with it, well, not necessarily the longer, but stay with it long enough and deep enough to um, receive the gift and give it a gift, huh? So there yeah. really is that exchange, yeah. You know, my, my original teacher was a Lakota, and he was very big on the give and take thing. Mm. And, of course, you know, they give offerings and gratitude for anything, to trees, mm -hmm. to everything. And... Um, <laughs> He taught me, and I've, I've come to recognize it, that when you do a kindness for an animal, their tribe becomes a supporter of you. So it can work both ways. They give you something yeah. and try to give something in return. Or sometimes if you just reach outside of yourself and support the tribe in some way, pick up a bird that's fallen, whatever, mm -hmm. then they start showing up in your dreams. Have you experienced that? I have. I think that's so true. I totally resonate with that. And um and yeah, I remember one time, this was before I even did animal communication. I was in Italy and I I was standing by a tree and I, my finger accidentally touched a spider and I kind of damaged it a little and I felt so bad. And I spent time finding a leaf and getting that spider and moving it to some place where it, it could be safe and kind of heal and recover. And I remember doing healing with it. And after that time, spiders have always been significant to me in some way they've come when i've kind of finished a project it's it's almost in a just like a like a nod you know an acknowledgement and a a support so yeah i i'm a, i i do experience that to be true Mm -hmm. It seems to me like the more we can experience that, the more we rejoin the circle of life and are mm -hmm. supported by everything around us. Yeah, I think it's so true. I, I, I do. Yeah. Especially, you know, one of the things I also like to talk about in classes is shadow animals. 
is the animal. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to have to get into, we're going to have to get into shadow animals after a break. Okay. Don and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 
30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest. If the topic's on your mind, you're probably not the only one interested. Again, our guest this hour, another person of service in the world, is Don Brunk. Her website, animalvoices.net. Don, we were just starting to talk about uh, shadow animals. Let's go there. Sure. Well, yeah, what I was saying is that, you know, it's easy, I think, to, um, you know, open to an animal teacher and a lot of people, you know, they want the whale or the lion or the beautiful wolf. And it's 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 a different experience when you get a um, a snake or a rat or a turkey vulture. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and um, and then I always say congratulations, you're moving on to intermediate material, <laughs> because I think working with our shadow animals is incredibly rewarding. It gives us so much information because we're asked to kind of go into our shadow, our you know the area that we repress, the area that we suppress or, or aren't entirely comfortable with. Uh, but it's a really a good chance to work with our fears, our anxieties, our hesitations. And I think shadow animals are great teachers in that regard. Yeah, you know, they're amazing. One time I had a a client uh, was brought to me for the last stop for the desperate. I work shamanically and her father brought her into me and she was a sweet little gal with black hair, just tiny. She was having breathing problems they could they couldn't track. So I did a shamanic journey for her, and one of the things I brought back was her power animal. And I'm I'm squabbling with, with the power animal. It's a turkey vulture. It wants to come back for this pretty little fairy-like girl. I'm going, come on, can't you give me something else? Not a turkey vulture. Really, your dad's giving me the stink eye, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and But when I brought it back, she was so delighted. I come to find out she was goth. And it just oh. just was a perfect fit for her. So, yeah. you know, you just can't judge them, can you? Yeah, no, and turkey vultures, you know, they're really about cleansing and about recycling and about, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very powerful animal. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. So yeah. What's, what's the difference, Don, between a totem animal and the ghost of an animal? Oh, well, <clears throat> so I'm not, I'm not great on strict definitions. I kind of, you know, open to what is. For me, the totem animal is, it's more of an energy um, of that animal's species teaching. So, you know, and, and different people use that word in different ways, totem animal. Um, I think of it kind of as a uh, animal teacher, as a spirit guide. I mean, and again, these have all different little flavors depending on what tradition you're looking at. But the ghost of an animal, uh, for me, would be a more personal um you know, spirit of that animal, just like we would say a human ghost. Um, uh, it would be a, a ghost of an animal. I don't know. Is that is that how you see it? Or Yeah, well, it'd be more differentiated, wouldn't it? It would be like yeah. the same yeah. difference as talking to an individual animal versus the species of the animal. Exactly. It's just in spirit, right? Right. That's how yeah. I would see it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are totem animals for? What purpose do they serve exactly? Well, again, if you go back into different various traditions, they would use it as a, um, a kind of an over, over uh, I don't want to call it an oversoul teacher, almost a teacher for a tribe or for a group. And that you all, everybody in that tribe or that group or that clan would identify with that totem animal as a teacher and with its medicine. And that would some degree determine, you know, how you live your life and, and what your beliefs are and, and, and how you go out in the world, how you interact with the world. Um, there, again, there's numerous definitions kind of, de- and I'll have a little different flavor depending on um, what paradigm we're using, a shamanic paradigm, a Native American paradigm, a, you know. Um, and so on. So um, does that kind of answer the question or is there something else? Yes, it does. No, that's, that's, that's an important point that you're bringing up is that even though all 
uh, indigenous traditions work with totem animals, they all have a little different belief system around and a little yeah. different way of working with them. Yeah. You know, when I pull it more into a scientific viewpoint, okay, tribes would have a particular totem. People would have a particular totem. We would carry that on with uh, uh, mascots in football, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you suppose that it's about frequency and that the totem brings a counterbalance to our imbalance and strengthens us that way? Oh, I like that. That's a really nice aspect to it. I um, I wouldn't have said it that way, but yes, I totally agree with that. Um, um, I, I'm only saying I wouldn't have said that way because I wouldn't have thought of that, but I, I really like that. I think that is true. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not sure that that's the whole truth, but I think that's a very um, important part of it is that that, that totem animal is there helping us, to, helping us to balance. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Isn't that yeah. kind of the agenda of the animals right now? I mean, I'm certainly getting this is please come back to balance, guys. We're, we're at yeah. risk here. Yeah, I think I think most animals in general, if you did a survey, would say crazy people or crazy beings on the planet right now are the humans, you know, and a couple of times animals have, have re, or different animals as well as animal species have called us the surface people, you know, mm. um, because we're the ones who kind of work, walk on the surface of the planet, but we're the ones who walk on the surface of consciousness. Mm, and there's mm-hmm. this reluctance to go deep, you know, and I really think that's such a key thing, key theme right now for all of us, for all of us humans is, um, you know, really needing to go a little deeper than um, <laughs> false news, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it seems to me like the guilt and shame that we've been controlled with for generations is what keeps us from going deeper because we're afraid what we're going to find there. That's right. That's right. It's a big fear. I, I totally agree with you. And yet, that's where we need to go. And that's, again, why shadow animals are so important, because they help us go there. They help us deepen. And um, yeah, I, I think that's where we're going to need to go. Can I you think we're going a... there already. I mean, you know, we really are. We're going there already. Um, yeah, there's and some a lot of going there willingly and happy and excited about the changes and the healing that are happening. And some are going kicking and screaming. So. Yeah, but we're all going one way or the other, right? I'll go on. Yep. <laughs> Tell me about animals and dreams. I was so fascinated by the title of your book, Polar Bear Dreams. Yeah, yeah, dreaming with polar bears. Um, well, I mean, I think a lot of times animal communication and works with animal teachers or totems begin in the dream world. Um, and I remember when I did my first book interviewing different animal communicators, they were like, yeah, it, it started in a dream. It started in a dream. And I started to think, well, why is that? And I think it's because the dream world is a relatively safe place and it's a non-judgmental place. So you're not going to question your sanity if you're talking to a polar bear or a a cougar or, you know, a whale. You're going to open to that. And I think sometimes dreams in the beginning stages are helping us to open to a larger way of seeing the world. Um, So what do the polar bears have to say to you? Well, my uh, the whole book was a really amazing experience with a particular polar bear who uh, was a real polar bear, uh, but a, a very good dreamer. And polar bears, bears, you know, if we look at the totem kind of uh, teaching, um, dreaming is very key with all bear species. Polar bears in particular, um, there I would call them master dreamers. I really would. And so a lot of my work was with this individual polar bear as well as a group of spirit bears who really wanted their information about um, the connection of humans and polar bears as um, dream partners. And they would often refer to building a bridge, a dream bridge um, between our species. And it was their opinion, um, reality, that in the past, um, shamans in the uh, far north um, had worked with polar bears in this way. And that they're kind of left hanging, you know, it kind of uh, due to history and the whale wars and wars on polar bears and all kinds of things that fell away. Um, So they were really interested in bringing dreaming back to humanity and um, co-dreaming back to humanity. In other words, dreaming with other animal species. And a lot of my dreams were lucid dreams. So lucid meaning you're awake in your dream. You're, you're, You're aware that you're dreaming. In other words, you're consciously dreaming. Um, and again, that's another form of bridging between uh, waking and and dream world. Um, so that was a lot of their agenda is making that more conscious, helping humans be more aware of that, which I think speaks to the deepening we were just talking about. Because if you can deepen into your dreams, man, dreams have some amazing treasures for us. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, we tend to kind of laugh away our dreams and make fun of them or, or don't remember them. But, wow, once you start to realize the wisdom that our dreams offer us, um, I don't know why any of us would not record our dreams or work with our dreams and share our dreams. It's well, you, you think yeah. about it. How much time do we spend sleeping in and dream and we don't wonder why? <laughs> yeah. 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 Do, you, do you think that the animal kingdom can help us find our way out of this environmental mess we're in? I think they're willing and able, and I think they want to help us. I think they want to be partners with us. I think we need to move, uh, become a bit more humble and to ask ourselves, what can I learn from a honeybee? What can I learn from a polar bear? And open ourselves in that way and kind of be more self-responsible about um, who we are, kind of, you know, bring ourselves, be more present in our uh, in our daily lives. And, yeah, I do think animals in general are willing, most animals are willing and able to help. And want to, you know, they they want the earth to succeed, right? Exactly. We have yeah. a little less than a minute left. What sure. do you think is the most important reason to learn to listen to the animals again? Because I think it helps you wake up to who you are. Like I said before, I don't think you can do this work without tapping into your deeper self. And by doing that, you're going to know the answers. You're going to know the right thing to do. And I wish our politicians would do that. By tapping into our deeper selves, we're tapping back into the circle of life? Yes. Yeah. Into the consciousness of Gaia, you know, into the planet, into all beings, into the interconnectedness, the web of life. Mm. Don, yeah. this has just been so much fun. I can't thank you enough for being on the Science of Magic with me. Thank you. It's been really fun talking with you. It's just been a real, real pleasure. And I wish you well in all your dreams and all your animal communication. Thanks very much. You take care. You too. Our guest this hour has been animal communicator, author, and dream enthusiast, Don Brunk. Her website is animalvoices.net. This has been the Science of Magic. For in-depth exploration of leading-edge subjects from numerous authorities and viewpoints, join our email family at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you commune with the animals. Shut